0: Fitness for me, it used to be another reinforcer of everything I thought I had to be. And now fitness for me is a space where I go, despite the messages that I ingest every day from society, in this space, I get to be me. I choose to be me. And that feels so radical and so rebellious compared to everything else that we experience in our workplace. Fitness for me now rather than being restrictive, is very, very freeing and is a reminder of who I want to show up as.
1: Welcome to Ecosystems for Change, where we co-author the playbook on transforming communities by amplifying the impact of changemakers around us. Whether you are an entrepreneur or otherwise changemaker yourself, a citizen who loves their community with a passion and wants to see it thrive, Whether you are a mentor, investor, support organization, advisor, philanthropic funder, economic developer, or policymaker. Learn the practical tools and proven tactics of ecosystem builders from all around the world to better support the dreamers, doers, tinkerers, and makers in your community by taking a systems approach to social change. I'm your host, Annika Horn. Today, I want you to meet Alex Boros-Harmer. Alex used to be my CrossFit coach and has since taken a completely new, holistic, and empathetic approach to helping others move their body. Think sweating and panting, but actually fun. From the 15th floor of their condo in Toronto, Canada, Alex talks about their transition from Barbie to Ken with an ink sleeve, making the fitness industry more human and honoring their own needs. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Let's go! I am so excited you're here today. Thank you for making the time to talk to us about all things fitness, empathy, being a real person, being a real human in the world and figuring out how to stay healthy and sane at the same time. I really appreciate you being here.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. This
1: is going to be so fun. Awesome. Alex and I actually share... a a history of having worked out at the same CrossFit gym in Toronto, and now we get to rehash, look back, and compare notes on where we are, which is going to be awesome. Alex, for those who have never been to Toronto or Canada, if we were to come to your community for the first time, where would you take us so that we could get a real taste for your life and how you show up in your community and what that looks like?
0: I love this question and it's hilarious. So I'm going to paint a pretty detailed picture here because Toronto is one thing. There's the city that I live in, but my community is virtual. We're completely virtual and online. So what this looks like right now, because you can't see me, is I'm sitting on a wheelie chair in the middle of my living room with a blue retro (laughs) gymnastics mat behind me, right beside my couch with my TV, my plants, my dining room table, my kitchen. I've got a Pull up bar and kettlebells and a box, like a plyometrics jumping box you would find at a CrossFit gym. This is in my living room. So whenever I have guests over, it's always really funny explaining that this is, this is how I live. I live in a playground. It's a really good time. but I'm also in a condo. My neighbors absolutely love me. They've become accustomed to um, having some loud music at 6am. We've talked about it. We really appreciate each other very deeply, but I live in, I know, right? Like it sounds comical, but it's, it's really hilarious. But in the grand scheme of this, I'm teaching these virtual fitness classes at max volume. And it's not like Okay, guys, three, two, one, and we're gonna do a squat. I'm like Ted Lasso, yeah, at six a.m. partying <laughs> from my living room at five fifty in the morning, while Bob next door is like just getting up at the crack of dawn, getting his kids ready for school. So that's a uh, that's where I'm at.
1: I can attest to that because when I did classes with you, I was either on my porch when it was warm or in my office. And we're jumping and we're panting and the music is loud. And for everybody, like everyone, if you ever take a class with Alex, they are not the kind of coach who just stands there and counts it out. Like you're working out with us. I always thought you must have the most understanding neighbors in the world that they put up with this kind of thing. That's really impressive. we've
0: had some shared understanding throughout the pandemic, and now they think it's hilarious. Luckily, I live in an older building, so the walls are made of solid concrete. So my understanding is that sound doesn't travel terribly, but the gymnastics mat helps to soften the noise. So
1: it's worked out. Mm -hmm. That's hilarious. I wonder if you need to throw them some free classes or bring them up for yoga and tea or something just to to keep them happy. That's awesome. Not a good idea. (laughs) Alex, the reason I wanted to have you on this show is we both met doing CrossFit. You were hands down to this day, you're one of my favorite coaches ever. There's just something about having a person who shows up as themselves, not a performance. And your fitness journey has changed so much since I met you in, I think, 2018. And I really want to talk about that on this show. First off, as a sort of an entry point into your journey, can you give us a sense for what was going on at the time that you realized this is not working for you anymore? What was your life like? What was your fitness routine like? When did you come to that breaking point that you figured out, ah, I think I need to change direction? Can you time travel back with us and share a little bit of what life was like at the time?
0: I would love to. And the short but long answer, or long but short answer to that is I grew up in a sports-oriented family. I've always come from a background of my parents thought that I would do sports. I would compete in something growing up. Um, and so naturally, I kind of was athletic in high school. One coach at one point said I'd really enjoy CrossFit, and I always just listened to what everyone said. I just listened to what my parents said. They were like, you should do sports. I was like, I should do sports. My coaches were like, you should do this sport. I was like, I will do that sport. And so I built this culture of just listening Mm -hmm. to other people instead of myself, ultimately, until I realized that I would show up at the gym or competitive events when I was even in high school. And there was this underlying sense every time I went somewhere that was like, this is really not a good time, but I guess this is just how fitness is supposed to be. I guess it's supposed to be uncomfortable. I guess I'm supposed to not love it. I'm supposed to suffer. Like the suffering just seems to be a part of this. Everyone talks about pushing through the pain. So I guess I'm doing it. And the pandemic for me, actually was a major a major shift because i started my business right before the pandemic hit like 2 months beforehand and i always came to the table with this like this underlying mindset of i know we're suffering here because fitness is hard but let's kind of try to make it fun since we're here and doing it anyway And the turning point for me was I had this opportunity in the pandemic when everyone was overwhelmed. Everyone was suddenly faced with this gyms are closed down. There was nothing online at that point. What do we do for our workouts? And I thought, well, I I really have an opportunity to make this my own. I have an opportunity to do this however the hell I want it to. And that for me was a major insight into, wait, was this available to me this whole time? Did I ever actually have to suffer this much or could I have just done it this way all along? And I dove headfirst into, okay, what would my ideal fitness setting look like? What would fun fitness or movement that gives you joy really look like? And I painted this picture in my mind of like themed workout classes where I dress up like Ted Lasso, I'm serious, or do a Christmas themed debacle in my living room. I throw my cat around, I throw my pets around, I, half the time I just lie on the floor. I was like, this is actually fun. This feels like going out dancing with your friends. Like, Maybe this is possible.
1: Quick note, that Christmas workout was, I i was sore for a week. I think that was the only workout I could do in the second half of December because it was so freaking hard. And I think I texted you after saying, Alex, are you serious? Like this was so hard. But yes, I love it because it's, you're right. Like your workout classes were, we would sweat. I would curse you with my mic off. Um, we would get in shape. But it wasn't miserable. It was fun. And I want to say for everybody who's listening, it's a conversation I want to have with you, Alex, is this is not for everybody. CrossFit is not for everybody. Running, yoga, I I think there are more sports that are not for me than there are that are for me. And yet what I love about your story is you had this like – discomfort and not really loving it this whole time and yet you didn't give up on fitness instead you found a way that fitness became fun for you became something you wanted to have in your life and I think that's really really admirable what do you tell people who say oh yeah just I'm just not a workout person this fitness is not for me what do you tell them
0: Oh my God, what an amazing question. I hear that all the time, all the time and all the time. I So I would say to them, what is something you love in your life right now that gives you joy and how can you make movement a part of it? Uh, And to paint a really concrete example of that, I had a connection call with uh, a human who had some questions about my classes and what I do to see if it was a fit. And they said exactly that. They were like, I just don't like fitness. I find it really boring or it's just not for me. And I said, okay, what's something that gives you joy? And they said knitting. And I was like, awesome, cool. And they gave me this face of like, (laughs) what what does that have to do with fitness? And I said, well, how would you feel? How would it make you feel if you went to your, your local YMCA? If you feel safe in that environment and you took your knitting to the like stationary bike? And you sat on the stationary bike and you did some knitting. Like, would that be fun for you? How would you feel about that? And they were like, oh my God, I've never even considered that. Like, I just sit on my couch. I might as well move my legs. Like, I'd have no problem with that. (laughs) Sorry, you're going to my cat in the background. Fletcher's going (laughs) to... But that, like, it doesn't have to be zero to a 100. It doesn't have to be completely sedentary, sit on, like, do nothing ever movement-wise. Or go to your CrossFit gym seven days a week. You can make just moving your body, just moving your limbs around a part of something that already sparks joy for you.
1: I love that. I have friends who I have friends who really like yoga and Pilates. And I'm like, nope, I find that really incredibly painful and boring. Apart from when I do it with you, I will say that becomes fun. I have uh, friends who do pole dancing and I'm like, that's awesome. Yes, please. More of that. I always encourage people to find something they enjoy. And even if it's walking and shooting for walk a mile a day or maybe five miles per week or find something that just gets us off our butts, because the truth is we're not designed to have the sedentary lifestyle and just sit around. And I read somewhere, um, let me see if I can get this right. If there was a pill that combined all the benefits of just moving your body regularly and being outside and getting fresh air and being in nature, it would be the most best-selling supplement ever. And instead, we can just go and have that for ourselves. And I think that's really, really important when it comes to fitness, however you want to define that. Oh, that's such
0: a good analogy. And people also take it so seriously. Sorry, I need to put that in there. And this is for anyone listening who you have like the gadgets and the gizmos and you're like, right, I've got to be at the gym for 6am. And I've got to do this very seriously because fitness is a very serious activity and I must burn the calories and I must track the things. You can also just be stupid (laughs) because when we're lighthearted And we take something, we make something childish again, it becomes so much easier. And we're raised in the society that tells us that we have to be a certain way but when you look at two-year-olds there's not a single two-year-old two-year-old out there who takes themselves too seriously like they're not like i must rigidly stand this way like they throw themselves over things they're like look at me mom i'm a crab and they make up some weird like movement with their body that looks something vaguely vaguely like a crab but they're having the best time (laughs) so for adults At whatever point it is in our lives that we are brainwashed by this capitalist, patriarchal society we live in, we have this opportunity to start rethinking the things that we've been told are important. And fitness for me, I think of it like playtime. It's recess. It doesn't always have to be so stoic. And when we take away those rigid guidelines about what it must look like, it becomes freeing. It becomes like painting or art. It's it's self-expression. And it's not going to be perfect and you're going to be a hot-ass mess. So am I. And I do this for a living and that's okay.
1: Hello. I wanted to pop in here real quick to remind you that this podcast is an ecosystem and the best part, you can become part of it. You can listen, share it with the people in your life who need to hear what we're talking about, and you can engage in the conversation. What are you taking away from today's episode? What resonates what do I need to know as we move through this season together? I would love to hear from you. Head over to speakpipe.com slash burn both ends and share what's on your mind. And with any luck, we'll hear from you in the final episode of this season. And now back to the show. Alex, how has this impacted how you see yourself, stepping away from this very rigid, professional, CrossFit coach career? to really defining your own approach to fitness. How is that, has there ever been any hesitation, any questions? You, you're still friends with CrossFitters, I assume. How has that changed your perception of yourself?
0: Ooh, I have to give that some thought for a moment. Um, it's, you know what, it helps me accept myself. Coming back to, again, we're raised in a society that tells us we need to be certain ways Fitness, for me, it used to be another reinforcer of everything I thought I had to be, and now fitness for me is a space where I go, despite the messages that I ingest every day from society, in this space, I get to be me. I choose to be me, and that feels so radical and so rebellious compared to everything else that we experience. In our workplace, we're told how we have to show up. In our relationships, sometimes there can be pressure to act and behave a certain way. There are societally acceptable behaviors and ones that aren't. And fitness for me now, rather than being restrictive, is very, very freeing and is a reminder of who I want to show up as.
1: Wonderful. I want to drill a little bit deeper here because you went from, I mean, A, I think it's amazing how you pulled up this online virtual life classes out of, I mean, for me, it looked like out of nowhere, obviously you'd been working at it at just the right time, but you went from having these superhero classes to really embracing this idea of empathetic movement, where it's not just about showing up and performing, but tell us a little bit more about how is that different from any other fitness class i could do in a gym or some of those pre-recorded classes why empathetic why does that matter in fitness to
0: answer that question i'm going to tell a story because i think it's really powerful and speaks to not just this community but the importance of exactly what you you asked empathetic fitness so when i started these classes at the beginning of the pandemic they were good they were they were good they were fine classes there was a tipping point where, um, and Annika knows this talking to me, but whoever's listening to this doesn't know, I started the pandemic as someone who was engaged, first of all. So I was engaged to my ex-fiance. I identified as a, a queer woman. Um, and throughout the last two years... My identity has shifted as well, but I went through a really, a really rough breakup in the first year of the pandemic. Um, My fiance left me and what does that have to do with fitness? Well, I was left out of nowhere on a Wednesday night and I had a class the next morning at 6am and I'm going through this separation with my ex-partner at 11 at night, the night before I got this 6am class. And I had a choice to make. I was like, it's too late to cancel the class. No one's going to know. Everyone's in bed. How do I show up? It's just me at this point. I don't have any other staff. I've got a class of 15 people in the morning. What do I do? Like, and I, I had this whole crisis. And up until that point, I had been talking about the importance of being empathetic and listening to yourself and caring for yourself and holding space for people to do it. But I hadn't actually needed to use it myself. I hadn't been faced with a situation where I needed to show up for me Ooh, getting emotion. Um, <laughs> and so at 11 at night, I was like, I'm just going to show up and be real. Like I always am. And right now real is very scary and real is very vulnerable, but I built this space. Let's see if it works. And so I showed up at 6am, got on my zoom link and everyone hopped on And at the beginning of class, we always do a check-in that's like a thumbs up, thumbs down. How are you doing physically and mentally and emotionally? And someone who came in, one of the first humans, was like, hey, like, how's it going? How'd you sleep last night? And I just broke down. (laughs) I literally took one breath and just sobbed, just uncontrollable on the Zoom camera, just tears. And just, and I couldn't explain what had happened because what if everything was okay? I'm not here to like dump on my partner. I'm, I'm not here to like occupy the space and use my clients as my therapist. But I was like, I'm going through something really hard right now that just happened yesterday. I'm not good and I can't talk about it right now, but I don't know what to do. And everyone's trickling onto the call. So 15 people are there. I'm just crying. And everyone literally leaned in towards their cameras and was like, what do you need? And I was like, yeah yeah and I was like I I don't know but this member was like you don't have to coach this class take the time that you need we're gonna leave if there's anything that would look like care like you built this space so that we could do exactly this we get to show up and cry and have our feelings we cry during these classes all the time You're having a moment. So we're not doing this class. They made the decision. I hopped off and I lay on the floor in front of my camera and just bawled. And that was this tipping point of like, this is why this matters. Because we're all, we're all going through our story right now. We're all in our shit. There's someone else out there going through their separation, their divorce, massive grief, loss, change. And imagine if you could show up in a space that traditionally tells you to put your life aside and suck it up and push through and go hard and do better. And instead you're just held and you're told that you can move if you want to, if that's helpful or not, but just wherever you're at, this is a space where we care about each other. So important for people to have that space available. That's why it matters.
1: Oh, I just got goosebumps as you were talking. I remember why classes with you are so awesome. <laughs> I remember like even the check-ins are, it's such a small thing and it matters so much to be seen, not just as an athlete, but as a whole person who has kids upstairs, partners traveling, like any, anything and everything going on as well as fitness. And I, I love that integration it just makes so much more sense, which brings me to my next topic. You are still coaching. You now have two more coaches that are helping you facilitate those classes. You are about to go back to school, which is very exciting. And then you've also started moving more into a consulting service to help other people in the fitness industry figure out how to communicate, how to be inclusive. Can you tell us a little bit more about what the need is in the fitness space? What are you seeing change, changing and shifting towards a more empathetic movement approach?
0: I would love to, and this is such an important question. So I've noticed this need in the fitness industry that started prior to me beginning my own business, which is why I stepped away to start my own practice in the first place, which was that I didn't feel safe when I showed up in a gym as the human that I was as the athlete. Sure. But as we just talked about, whenever I had any fundamental human needs and emotions, I was basically told to leave them at the door. And so the consulting work that I'm doing now focuses on working with leaders in the fitness industries who might be other coaches like I am, they might be gym owners. They might be people who actually train fitness professionals on how to start their own business. So I also work with business coaches who are specific to the fitness industry. And essentially, I'm teaching them how to communicate, not just empathetically, but learn the value of understanding human needs. And that sounds so rudimentary, but to take a step back, the fitness industry has done this thing where they essentially saw a need for people to be more active. And then whoever's in charge of those spaces goes, okay, we need as many opportunities for people to go hard as possible. They need to be more active. And there's this very singular, sorry for the pets, this very (laughs) singular focus on, God, they're like playing tag. I'm like, you guys are ruining my story. So this very singular (laughs) lens on screw the humanity. How do we get people to get on the treadmill more? And so I'm working with fitness industry professionals on how to start talking to their clients like humans, how to talk to their coaches, like humans, how to identify what their needs are, but not, this is critical, not just identify their needs, but start to genuinely care about their needs because there is, there's performing care, which anyone could do. I can show up here and go, Annika, how's it going? What does your life look like? And in my brain, I give zero, can I swear here?
1: Oh, go ahead. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Great. (laughs) Could really in my brain be like, I give zero fucks how I think doing. That's not the case. But so many people, I think just ask the question, how are you out of obligation? It's like a social obligatory thing and they don't actually care. I'm working with coaches on noticing how it feels when they are cared for. So my consulting work actually looks a lot like holding space for those fitness industry folks to learn their own biases and unpack their own stories the way I am. So it looks like, generally speaking, well, what does fitness mean to you? what what role does fitness play in your life? And they tell me stories like my own about how fitness helps them with their mental health, about how they're really stressed at work. And this is where they can let out energy and they had a fight with their partner and their kids are driving them nuts. And I'm like that all of your coaches, all of your clients, everyone who steps in the door of your gym has those same stories. And when you feel cared for like that, imagine how much more they would want to be a part of that space how much better your and their lives would be. So this is the work that I'm doing right now that, which it like, Oh, just fills my cup so deeply, but I'm also doing work with gym industry professionals who um, like a huge shout out to everyone doing this hard work right now have identified that they could do better when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. So I am a non-binary autistic human and I provide consulting work also for gym industry or humans in general, who want to create more um, equitable workplaces, especially in the context of disability and gender inclusion. So how do we use gender-neutral language? How do we ah, challenge our own ableist underlying biases and hold space for people to be the true humans they are? Mm -hmm.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, for all of your fitness questions and needs, please uh, contact Alex and uh, set up a call with them. Oh, I wish everyone could have seen me just shake my head as you were talking. I have so many follow-ups on this. Number one, fitness and the fitness industry are two really difficult concepts that don't always have a lot to do with each other. So I'm really glad to hear that you're out there and helping break a lot of the stigma from within the industry. I think this is so valuable and so, so powerful. And secondly, we had someone come into the gym last week who was new to CrossFit and said uh, he just finished his postgraduate work and he wanted to get back into fitness. I said, oh, you know, how come? And he said, I need it for my mental health. He didn't talk about running a marathon, wanting to lift or doing handstand pushups. He was like, no, my mental health depends on me doing some kind of workout and I'm going to give this CrossFit a try. And I was like, yes, that's what it's all about. I love it. Number three. How are you doing so many things? What is your life like now that you've gone through this enormous transformation over the last few years? And I just want everybody to know when I first met Alex, they had long blonde hair and a sparkling personality, which you still have Alex, but like even externally, you have changed so much and talking to you now, I can just sense that you've really stepped into who you have become. What is your life like now and what are some of the things that you're still trying to figure out on this journey?
0: Oh my goodness. Well, yes. For again, people who can't see me because you can't, I used to look like Barbie and now I like to say that I look like tatted up Ken. So <laughs> <laughs> I, <love it. laughs> I have like a full sleeve. I've chopped all my hair off. I'm living my best life. I don't wear makeup. I mean, I either do extreme makeup or no makeup. Anyway, what does my life look like? Um, so I really prioritize self-care. I used to not, I used to work crazy long hours and I'm still up at the crack of dawn because I'm a morning person, but I didn't give, I was really my last priority. And so now I do, I wake up at 5am, which is not for everyone, but that is what I do. I take my first hour in the morning to have my coffee with my pets on my gymnastics (laughs) mat behind me and they snuggle in my lap and I meditate um, I teach my classes. I have my clients and my consulting work in the morning. And then I make a lavish breakfast and I sit myself down and watch some trashy TV. Right now I'm rewatching Grey's Anatomy and it gives me life. I make time for long walks with my dog. I like really enjoy the downtime. I've like, there's no, and I love my work life, but choosing to take care of my own needs has made that, so has made my work so much more enjoyable and it sounds so superficial to say, take care of my own needs. But in the context of burnout, I think so many people think they're, they're doing it because they took a bubble bath and poured themselves a glass of wine and watched the Netflix for half an hour. And I'm like, that is self-care. And there's a really important end here, which is how I've changed my life. And I hope this is helpful to anyone listening, but I used to like get up and check the list and go and go and go and go and go and go and go. And And then the Netflix I would feel shame about because I wasn't being productive enough. It was an opportunity lost to do more, to add another thing to the business, to add another thing to my plate. And the second I started to remind myself that, Netflix watching and taking walks and taking breaks during the day isn't just a nice thing. And it's not lazy. It's not unproductive, but necessary to complete the cycles of stress that we go through on a daily basis and allows me to enjoy my craft makes all the difference. It's allowing me to go back to school. Like I, oh, I'll probably have to make some changes once that happens, but I've kind of radically accepted that. I'm like, oh, I might have to let another thing go when I go back to school. And that's okay. That's okay.
1: I don't think this sounds basic or or silly or simple or anything. I, it's To me, self-care is still this big black box, and I don't know what's going on inside, but I see people like you on the other side who come out of that black box, and you seem so at ease and at peace with honoring what you need, and I still haven't figured out how to do that without feeling so much guilt and not necessarily shame, but just... I think many of us have been so conditioned to check the boxes and run through our days and be productive. And especially when you're self-employed like yourself, every minute, every hour, you're not working, you're not billing, you're not meeting the numbers. It's it's really a bit of a rat race. So for you to step out of that and and honor what you need, I think is impressive. And everybody can and should learn more from you, which brings me to my next question, Alex. How can people get a piece of you in the most holistic sense possible? How can they work with you? How can they learn from your experience? How can people engage with you? What are some ways in which everybody who's listened to this and be like, yo, that person is my jam. How can they all get more (laughs) of you, work with you?
0: Well, first of all, I, I do want to say that I am not a perfect human. So for anyone who thinks I've got it all together because I don't shame myself while I watch Netflix, I still do. It's just a daily practice. <laughs> so when I am watching my Netflix, I still have the voice at the back of my brain that's like, why watch Grey's Anatomy when you could be having another client right now? And I have to make the conscious effort to, first of all, be aware of that voice Notice it, acknowledge it, and not shame myself for shaming myself. That a shame is a very real thing. I'm very good at that. Right? But going, (laughs) me too, same. But instead, take this moment to be like, okay, that voice is not helpful right now. Right now, I need the break. I am in this break. And when I've had enough, I can always go back to work. But right now, I know that I need the break. So- that's what we're doing. So I don't have it all figured out, but I am, I have grown, I have grown. So thank you. So to the work and how people can work with me, I offer a few different things. Um, I offer, so my empathetic fitness classes that are aptly called vent and sweat, strength and self-acceptance and ebb and flow yoga that everyone is, everyone is welcome to try. You do not need equipment. You literally just need a wifi connection or data and your phone or laptop or mobile device. My first week is free as well. So if anyone wants to try a class and you're worried about budget, First week is free. Um, I offer class memberships with that and I my consulting work. So if you're interested in working with me, if you are a fitness industry leader or a single human looking to get into fitness and, and you're not sure where to start, you can find out more about me and what I do at abhmovement.com and on Instagram and TikTok as well. My handle is also abh underscore movement across the board. So you can find me there. And I have a podcast. I'm not currently putting, uh, putting new episodes out, but there are a number on there along if you're interested in this topic and more along these lines, it's called Beneath the Armor and it is on Spotify. So Spotify exclusive podcast there.
1: I love it and I can't recommend it enough to people. Also, I'm starting to feel old saying this, but for someone who's on Instagram, I really enjoy Alex's content. It's very straightforward. It's very honest, very vulnerable. And it's honestly, it's a pick-me-up when I'm feeling down on myself. (laughs) Some of that content really makes me feel better about myself. So uh, thank you for curating such a wholesome a vulnerable and real feat. I I really do appreciate it. And I recommend everybody go check it out. Thank you. Alex, with everything you've gone on, and you've already mentioned once you go back to school, you may have to change some more things around. But what needs to be in place in general for you to do this work sustainably, long-term, and keep burnout at bay?
0: Asking for help. This is a thing I am learning. I am leaning into. My God, it is uncomfortable. As a recovering, people-pleasing, perfectionist, high-achieving human, asking for help sucks. It feels like vulnerability. But as it turns out, I can't do everything myself. Shocker. I was really disappointed to learn that doing more tasks without others helping you doesn't make you a better person. That was very disappointing for me. So in order to keep doing the work that I do, I need to lean on my support system, my friends, my two coaches, my amazing coaches who work with me. I'm so grateful for them. My family, I'm very close with my parents, people like you, wonderful humans like you who support me and, and hold space for me. I'm learning to, and my therapist, shout out to my therapist, Maria. You're a real one. So, <laughs> so asking for help. That's what I need to to live the life that I lead,
1: Radical. Thank you for sharing that. I Yes, it's a big hum for many of us, I think. Um, Another question I'm really dying to ask you is, when things do go south, what is your first line of defense? What's in your emergency kit when you have too much going on, you don't have the space, the time, the energy, the capacity to take care of yourself? What is that first thing that you go to?
0: Oh, I've got a, I've got this like nailed down. I take my dog out for a half hour walk and I listen to classical music, which is my zen part of it. It feels like, like luxurious self care. It's the illusion of like luxury. <laughs> and then I get home, I grab a bag of corn chips, I sit my ass in front of Netflix and I watch RuPaul's Drag Race in that order. That is what I do.
1: <laughs> That's, that does sound luxurious. I love it. That's great. Okay. Um, everybody, Alex already mentioned it, but I do want to emphasize, go and check out everything she's doing and see if any of her classes are for you. I have a feeling they might be, whether you're coming back to fitness and you feel like fitness was never for you. This may be a new start for everybody. So go check it out at abhmovement.com. I will put everything in the show notes. Uh, you can find Alex on Instagram, on TikTok, Um. Or just head to the show notes and click and go down that fitness rabbit hole. Lastly, we are going to go do our rapid fire round where I start a sentence and you finish it for me. Are you ready?
0: I'm so sweaty, but I'm ready. Let's do it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for being vulnerable and real. (laughs) Okay. First off, don't overthink it. Taking care of yourself means? Oh God, saying no. Saying no to so many things. The one practice, habit, or routine that every changemaker should know about.
0: Questioning which things are actually things you want to do and questioning which things you think you should be doing because society has told you you should be doing.
1: Questioning your beliefs and doing things that you want to do, not others. Man, oh, I love it. Okay, lastly, one resource that influenced you that you would recommend to others?
0: Oh, my God. Um, I mean, anything by Brene Brown. I am like Brene Brown's number one stan, like, oh, my God. But for anyone who's interested in uh, podcasts and audio resources like this, Brene has all of her books on audiobook. But for Change Leaders, there's a podcast called Dare to Lead by Brene Brown, which is also on Spotify that I listen to whenever she releases a new episode. Game Changer.
1: Alex, thank you so much for making the time. Thank you for everything that you're doing in Toronto, in the fitness industry, in the world. I feel like we're all a little bit better off because there's people like you out there doing the work that you're doing. Thank you so much for coming on the show today.
0: Thank you so much for having me.
1: Be sure to find out more about Alex at abhmovement.com and find them on Instagram and TikTok for awesome Ted Lasso affirming content. I pay my respect to the traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live. The Tuscarora, Shokori, Soponi, Okaneechi, Lumbi and Ino people. I recognize their continuing connection to land, water and community. I pay respect to elders past, present and emerging. This episode was produced by Yellow House Media.